it's all kind of its own spectrum, and no totally. one's really authoritative. And that's the but thing. There's no. It's a nugget to start with, and right. you got to define your own path. You know, and I there think are that's no really roads. important. Like, I love that. I really think that's important because ultimately, just like in life, you have to define your own path. And I think even in monogamy, you have to define your own path. What does that look like? How are we wanting to communicate as a partnership? It's really not that different than monogamy. It's just. You got to get over your own shit. Yeah, yeah, and it's just about honestly being conscious. Like, but also in monogamy, you have to do that too. It's just about a different way of doing relationships. That's literally yeah. the only thing that's different. Yeah, it, that's it. Um, and I, I think personally, you know, I think some of us are more hardwired for polyamory or ethical non-monogamy, and I think some of us are more hardwired for monogamy. But I think most of us are unconsciously operating in a monogamous framework. Yeah. Welcome to the Live Your Fuck Yes Life podcast, your place for all things real talk and conscious conversations about shit that really fucking matters. I'm Amanda Catherine Loy, mindset coach, actor, and truth teller extraordinaire. Each week, I'll bring you a guest or a thought to help you face your fears, speak your truth, and get you one step closer to living your fuck yes life. Are you ready? Here we go. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome to episode 105, my loves. Holy balls. I'm so, so excited to share this epic conversation with all of you. Um, you might remember, if you've been listening to this season of the podcast, you definitely know that I uh, came out on episode 101. Um, as polyamorous. And it's the first time that I started speaking about it publicly outside of my friends and family. If you haven't listened to that episode, I highly recommend going back. Um, You can check it out in the show notes or just head back in your beautiful podcast app um, to episode 101 and take a listen um, for some context. I highly recommend if you haven't listened to that, start there. Um, But I have been getting so many questions on all things polyamory and my experience with it, uh, my experience with it being married in it, um, my experience with it um, coming from a monogamous background, eight years of monogamy. And, And then stepping into a very different way of navigating relationships, um, or at least to the outside eye, a very different way of navigating relationships. And I know that for me, at least when I stepped into the the idea or concept of ethical non-monogamy or was thinking about what that looked like, and I hadn't even heard of the term polyamory, honestly, until two years ago, um, which just shows how much I was living under a bubble. Um, I had heard of it as polygamy, you know, exclusively in all those really great TV shows. <laughs> um, uh, but I, I hadn't, I hadn't, I didn't really understand that that was a way that people did relationships. Like I've heard about the concept of open relationships, um, but I, you know, in, I personally have never been one for uh, more casual sex. I, I, I identify as uh, somebody who is demisexual, which if you've never heard of that term, don't hit yourself on, the, on, the, on, on, your, on your heart, on your, on your arm. I don't know where you might hit yourself. I always do that sometimes when I'm like, Amanda, don't be silly. Um, but like I didn't know that term either. I don't, don't think it's a term that's well known um, or certainly wasn't in my space, in my community. And um, it, it basically just means that I tend to feel more physically attracted to somebody and sexually attracted to somebody once I actually know them and their humanness and what makes their soul tick. Um, 
I've never had a one night stand in my life. And that's not to say that that is a bad thing because y'all know I don't believe in good and bad in anything and certainly not in sex. What, what floats your boat is what floats your boat. But it was just not something that I had ever considered. Um, and also, uh, we talk a lot about this in the episode, um, but it's not something that societally um, is really seen. And the things that are seen in it are often um, have deeply negative connotations. So um, yeah, um, I'm really excited that Kev um, was kind enough and and excited, genuinely excited to come on the podcast. I've had him on once before, um, way back in the day. I think it was episode 65. You can go back and check it out if you're curious. Um, and we have such fun banter and I, everyone just loved that episode so much. And so I was like, it would be so great to be able to have, you know, not only my perspective of, uh, you know, sharing vulnerably with all of you, which I did, like I said, in episode 101, but also bring in his perspective because, um, we have very different, um, different ones in this, in this experience, individual, um, experiences that have been different in terms of what we've navigated as unique, uh, sparkly sunshine humans, um, and also the hardships um, and and everything in between. Um, so I'm really excited, and um, and I'm I'm really really thrilled that you're here uh, for this episode. Um, and quickly before I get into the goods and share this conversation because it is a juicy one, and I really want you to just come in with an open heart. I wanted to share um, about uh, what. I am so excited about a quick announcement that I uh, announced last week on Instagram. In case you missed it, um, we are doing an incredible, incredible virtual summit called the Live Your Fuck Yes Life Summit. Um, it's an offshoot of the podcast, but really a virtual event and space um, that you can experience and attend in real time from the comfort of your own home or um, just experience it when works for you. Um, I have a lot of people who are signing up and bought tickets who know they can't make it on the 14th of November, which is when the, um, which is when the whole day is going down. Um, but because they have like stuff going on or, or whatever, they have busy lives and can't uh, commit to a whole day. It's, it's 9.45 a.m. Central to 2 o'clock p.m. Central with a, with a lunch break in the middle. Um, but I get it. We all have crazy lives. And even though we're living in a pandemic, it seems like for some reason things have become more overwhelming. And so I wanted to make this really, really ease-filled and flowy for you. So everything, every workshop, every 30-minute workshop that's going to be led is going to be saved and left in the private Facebook group, which is where we're going to be having all the magic go down. Um, and so you can come back and watch each individual session on your own term, uh, terms and in your own time, whatever feels right for you. So you can attend live and be a part of the Q&A um, and, and get that version of it and, and really invest in a whole day for yourself or do it separately, whatever feels most aligned for you. Um, and it's going to be so incredible. The whole day is geared to towards really unpacking and uncovering the shoulds and getting closer to your fuck yes self. Um, and we're starting out the day with a sound healing opening ceremony. Um, we're doing a workshop all around reclaiming your inner wild through the power of your cycle, whether that's your menstrual cycle or your moon cycle. Um, this is open to any identity, any gender identity, any sexual identity, everyone is welcome in, in this beautiful judgment-free zone. And I am just so deeply, 
deeply excited. Um, we're also going to be doing uh, a workshop around tapping into your intuition and um, have some fun meditations as a part of that and some guided journaling um, with uh, the incredible uh, leader for that workshop, um, talking about really owning your power and manifestation, um, all things pleasure and everything. Um, and uh, I will be teaching uh, all around embodying your unapologetically confident self um, with, with our body uh, confidence and love. And then we're going to be doing a beautiful closing ceremony. Um, and I'm bringing in an incredible shamanic guide and musical channel for all of you. Um, and yeah, it's so incredible. So please check out all of the information. Um, the Eventbrite link is in the show notes. Uh, tickets are $29. And I highly recommend you just get that in so you can make sure you don't forget. Um, and again, the live event will be going down on the 14th of November um, in a private Facebook group. Um, it's going to be a beautiful container filled with so much expansion and light and self-empowerment, which we need more of in our lives, um, especially amidst this really wild, wild time that we are living in. So I can't wait to see you in there again. Um, just head over to the show notes, um, and you can check it out. Or if you're popping into my, uh, Instagram and happen to be, you know, in and around there, you can just go to the link in my bio there as well and snag your ticket. All right. So today's episode, um, I, I really, don't want to like speak too much on this because I feel like the episode speaks for itself. Um, but before I do go into it, I just want to be really, really crystal clear that this is not us bashing monogamy in any way. Um, if anything, it's just presenting an example of another way of doing relationships. And I think for a long time, I saw monogamy as the only way to build a loving, lifelong relationship. And I don't believe that to be true anymore. Um, and I think most of us, you know, probably feel that, right? We, that, that is what, and it makes sense because that's what we know. That's what we've been taught. Um, and the same way that we need to, you know, open up our minds to all sorts of other things that are outside of our personal lenses, whether that's the way we do relationships or sexual identities or gender identities or race or beyond. Um, I think it's so important that there are open conversations and I feel so honored to share um, this beautiful human with all of you um, who has just brought so much joy and fun and goofiness and intensity and uh, thought into my world for the last 10 years, almost 10 years. We'll be hitting our 10-year anniversary in February, which is wild. Um, and and also to share uh, openly uh, around a lot of your questions uh, concerning polyamory. So we deep dive into all things um, you know, from answering your specific questions, I got so many incredible specific questions. So thank you for your thoughtfulness. Um, and, and yeah, just sharing, sharing what has, what this has been for us. We are not the experts, but we certainly do know what it is to be the expert of our own unique individual experiences and, um, also our experience as partners in this wonderful, uh, world of life. So, before, yeah, that's it. That's it. All right, let's get to the goods. And here we go. <laughs> I fucking tried. Oh my gosh. All right, you guys, we are. I'm trying not to see you guys. Hello, everybody. Um, so. As you can tell, <laughs> as you can tell, I have a very special guest. Today's episode is going to be a wild one. I already feel it in my bones. Like, you guys, we are 
how far a week into our move uh, as we're recording eight this? Eight days into our move. And currently on one microphone. Normally we would have two one set up. One motherfucking mic! Microphone! And I can falsetto. <laughs> oh my god, I love you. Um, yeah, so we are on one mic, so... If for whatever reason, normally we would have two set up, but I don't know where the other one is right now. It's in, a, it's in a box. And um, it's actually oh. literally right here. <laughs> oh my gosh, I did unpack it. That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> <laughs> anyways, we're on one microphone right now. Um, and if for whatever reason the sound is just a little different because we have that, then we'll re record so the know. entire episode. No, we're not going to do that verbatim. Yep. You heard it here first, people. <laughs> so, anyways. This is um, going to be weird. I'm so excited to have you back on, though, because the last time... Okay, so the last the time... The people loved it. The people loved it. The people loved it the last time sorry, that, was that you Trumpian? were on. was Trumpian? It was definitely Trumpian of you. I'm sorry. Yeah, you should remove yourself from the situation <laughs> It's going to be a very weird episode We're not going to do this anymore. <laughs> like, be married? No, I meant, like, do this recording. Oh. Clearly. I wasn't sure I'm how de- I wasn't sure how deep that comment. I'm in it for went. life. It didn't cut that deep, I promise. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I feel like the last time you came on, was... I don't even remember. I should have looked this up. What was the number? I don't know what the number was, but I think we were discussing the finer points of mac and cheese. I don't think that's what we were doing, but that's what we were doing last night. Yeah. <laughs> it certainly wasn't on the last. No, I think it was relationship planet. something. I don't yeah. know what the number was. Yeah, I'll pull it up for you guys in the show notes if you're interested and want to hear more of Kevin because he's the bomb. Every time you got, you're on my Insta stories, every yeah. single human like loves. Why to does no one so reach out more? to me? I have an Instagram. Do you want me to share with everybody what your Instagram handle is? It's my name. <laughs> Well, there you have it. You heard it here first. But anyways, um, well, that's fine. For the longest time, we're going to get into the goods, I promise, soon. But for the longest time, you wanted to keep things private. So I I didn't share as much. Um, And actually, that's kind of an interesting pivot into what we're talking about today. Look at that. Almost like it was planned. Almost like it was planned, which it was not at all. Um, About polyamory and Mm. specifically around talking about this more openly obviously yeah. if you missed um if you're new to the show hi uh <laughs> um if you missed the most recent um season premiere of um this particular season episode 101 um i came out uh publicly for the first time as polyamorous and that um both on instagram and here um from all of you listeners i've been getting a lot of questions a lot of very interesting questions I definitely expected that. Um, also, a lot of really positive feedback, and I just want to officially say thank you to all of you who have reached out and been so supportive. Like that's been really awesome, and so many of you, uh, it turns out, also um, have navigated some form of ethical non-monogamy in your life. Um, and I've had some really cool offline conversations with you in my DMs. So. If um, you are one of those people, thank you. And if you are not um, one of those people and haven't reached out, whether you are in a space where you are ethical non ethically non-monogamous or curious about it, or maybe you just have no concept of what the fuck this is, because I know I sure as fuck didn't until like 
a couple of years ago, really, um, you know, reach out. I I am constantly open in my DMs. And today we're going to be deep diving into questions that many of you have asked. Um, and I really wanted to bring Kevin on, and I'm really grateful that you're here. So thank you yeah, for being here. Of course. Um, because I think that having multiple perspectives in something like this is really important. And also me coming out as polyamorous was also, you know, it opened the door for you too as well. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole thing was news to me when I listened to your podcast. I, <laughs> Can you this imagine? This is all news. Can you imagine if I had just been like, so here's my life. Yeah, it's um, like, oh, this is, uh, this is different. Yeah, and, you know, that was obviously a big part of my decision in, in yeah, we had a lot of coming out. Yeah, because it's important you know, I, I was never going to be the one to just say I'm coming out publicly. And if you weren't ready for that too. So, um, you know, this has been a long time coming and, um, I feel excited to like, I have no idea where this conversation is going to go today. It's been a lot of places already. <laughs> and, uh, I'm excited. So I appreciate you being here and being willing to be vulnerable and open and yeah. I might be really closed off in these questions. I don't know what they are. I have no idea. I might. Be, Do you okay. need to be prepared in no, order to be? No, I just might plead the fifth. I don't know. <laughs> That's totally fair. Uh, you don't have to answer anything you yeah. don't want to. That's for goddamn sure. Yes, Instagram people are very nosy. <laughs> All right. Well, let me pull but up But very the sweet. Don't take that wrong. <laughs> but no, it's true, though. I think we like... I think Nosy is, I think, maybe a harsh uh, way yeah, of phrasing too that. negative. Let me, let me um, nicen up real quick. Currently sipping on some whiskey in order to do that. Apparently, oh yeah, I'm so much nicer now. Yeah, that's not how that works. You're being a shit right now. <laughs> is that not what this is? To you being a shit? Yeah, I thought that's what this episode was. Yes, this is about Kevin being a shit on the podcast. Is this not the Kevin show? Am I in the wrong studio? I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, let's go. Yeah, let's get a question on before I let's go to the questions. Okay, so thank you for all of you who submitted questions. We will try and get to as many of them as possible. Um, I cannot uh, say that we, it depends how long we end up going off of a tangent. Okay, before we get into this though, just in general, I would love to hear because I shared a little bit about about like my personal perspective. Like I didn't obviously want to speak. Oh. about you in terms of polyamory and like this part of the journey obviously we don't need to get into like the long and drawn out because there's a lot to talk about but you know I shared very extensively in episode 101 like why this felt aligned for me and myself um, yeah. as an individual and obviously it's a conversation we went into together very intentionally yeah, we and had many time. conversations for years before we actually you know took a step forward in the ethical non-monogamous space. Yeah. Um, so I'm just curious so that, you know, everyone can get your perspective because I think that's important and totally. we're different humans. Like, what about it has been, you know, palatable to you or attracted you to it? Um, well, did, I, it's been a while since I listened to the episode. Uh, did you did you talk about the book? Thing? Did you, did you no, talk about No, I didn't. So, yeah. so I think actually a really great, like, introduction to this uh, is – like, I, I think monogamy never really sat quite right with me, but I didn't really understand why, and I hadn't really put a lot of thought into it. Like, I, yeah. I had a lot of stuff in life that, like, showed me that, like, marriage as such or relationships as such, like, probably isn't, like, the most realistic or feasible 
thing. And so it always kind of had me noodling on it. I mean, also biologically, like monogamy just doesn't make sense. Like your genes, you're, you're programmed to like make as many copies of yourself. Yeah. Uh, the I don't ape, know. The apes like to uh, fuck I, a lot for I, sure. Yeah. I don't know why I was resistant to saying fucking when the podcast is live your fuck yes <laughs> life. I was trying to be professional. This is, you know, there's no professionality this is, this is here, a, my love. A different type of zoom. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you have, your work, you have your work voice on right now. This is my I'm being authoritative voice. This is a ruse. It's um, a full ruse, y'all. Uh, no, but so, so where this was going, so uh, before Min and I uh, got hitched, uh, we had this book all about us, I think was the title of it. Yeah. I think you got it at Urban I Outfitters. Got it, I did. I got it. <laughs> Shout out to Urban Outfitters. Yeah. Thanks um, for the sponsorship. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Uh, um, but no, I, I got it because I – we were talking about getting legally married and um, this is before we had our, you know, if you've been a long time listener of the podcast or following on me on Instagram, you know that we got married first before we had a, like a celebration with our friends and family at city hall with ring pops. And, yeah. and um, you know, like we'd obviously had a lot of questions, but I was really young and we were both young. Um, and I remember seeing this book and being like, this could be a really beautiful way to, answer questions that we may not have thought to ask and at, at that point I feel like we'd gotten pretty down the line of things yeah I mean it was almost three years in but the... it was extensive and I remember like there were categories like finances that we hadn't really talked about like how would we want us like right you know would we want to be joint financially would we want to be split um or partial of each like there was some questions that I remember being illuminated by or like stories that maybe we hadn't gotten to the point of sharing right. with one another but yeah, the so, book. So, so anyway, pretty early in the book is this question of like, what's the worst part about getting married? I mean, that's not the words verbatim, but that was the gist of the question. Like, what fucking sucks about getting hitched? And I don't remember what your answer was, but I remember that either. mine was joking, but also semi-serious. Uh, try and find it. Being monogamous was, was what I wrote. And like, or the thing that, I think it was, what was the thing that didn't make sense about getting married? Yeah, something like yeah. that. It was some sort of negative, like, association with, uh, being hitched. Uh, and so anyway, so I think I've kind of always, I always had it in the back of my mind, but never like really had a, uh, method to go forward or like a plan of action. Um, and And we had like, we, that broached a big conversation for us at the point, because I remember being like, Oh, and cause we'd had lots of conversations around monogamy and why, like, biologically it didn't really make sense yeah. and I think that was your big reasoning for it at the time too you were like well it just doesn't make sense that we would like spend the rest of our lives with one person only 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 yeah. and like not feel inclined to have other relationships whether right. they're like full-blown partnerships or sex or whatever yeah yeah so anyway uh yeah we had a lot of, of really good conversations actually around that mm-hmm. uh, and I, I forgot the back part of your question. Just like why it resonated with me? Was yeah, that your, I guess to like use the parlance well, of this podcast. I mean, that was what twenty thirteen that we we were doing that oh God, book. Yeah, or twenty fourteen, twenty fourteen, and we got yeah we got married in no it was twenty thirteen, and then we got married in twenty fourteen, and so that was six years ago, and we only stepped into like consciously stepped into ethical non monogamy in twenty eighteen. So there was, you know, a good chunk of time, four years, five years of time in between 
that 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 you know conversation which we had been talking about and you know we both talked about like sexuality being on a spectrum and you know I personally hadn't like come into my own sexuality by that point and like owned my bisexuality but I certainly we certainly had had conversations about attraction and all of that stuff but that's a long time in between you know really talking about that and then actually acting on something putting it into practice yeah yeah I mean I don't know I maybe that's I don't know if this is one of the questions but like that might be the one of the important lessons is like slow roll (laughs) like we had so many conversations and you know just kind of like tiptoeing around different ideas or what might be interesting or um whatever that I don't know when I think also we live in a society where monogamy is the standard and where anything outside of that is not seen as valid yeah and also most often is seen as cheating or affairs because it's done unethically right and so you know i I know we both have histories that are scary in that sense maybe you more so than me yeah um and so on a couple of levels yeah i think like And I obviously, like, I also want to really, really preface this before we get into this. We are not experts on polyamory. We are only experts on our experience within the space of that. Yeah, if you're looking to fuck up, take notes. (laughs) But also I think we've... We've really learned and grown through the whole experience. And at the the heart of it, it's been such a beautiful um, way for us to grow as individuals and together. Um, But yeah, totally. Like, we've definitely made mistakes. And I think... Um, we also have a unique perspective that we entered into the space of ethical non-monogamy as a couple that were married. And I think there are lots of ways that people can enter into that space. Um, but that poses its own set of challenges that we had to like undo a lot of what we had also just like created as unconscious programming around what is correct in terms of operation you know yeah when i think that's an interesting point like the unconscious piece you said something about like society and monogamy what's interesting about that is that it's a very unconscious choice like it's just the expectation yeah right nobody sits down well not nobody we did uh but and so do plenty of other people but most people don't sit down and say hey does this thing actually make sense to me does this actually like align with what i think and believe and Mm. um generally feel right about uh yeah like people just operate in that space because and we did because it's just what is expected you know if um i did an episode a really long time ago um and i'll link it in the show notes for you because it's an incredible one with um, one of the um, co-hosts of the multi-amory podcast, Dedeker Winston. And she is an incredible resource on all things polyamory. And we actually spoke about a concept called the relationship escalator on that. So I won't revisit that now because I really recommend you just go back and listen to that. Um, Spoiler alert, when I recorded that, we had just started our polyamory journey, so I was a newbie, so good luck going back to that. It'll be fun for you. Um, I was really curious if you were going to say something about it then. Yeah. Well, at that point, we we both weren't open. You know, we both weren't feeling comfortable being public about it. We were open with our friends and family. Yeah. Um... And, and we just weren't ready for the public space, you know? Right. Um, and I think that that's, I think that's good. You know, I think that was an important 
thing. And it was tough, though, for me because there have, there have been many moments when I've spoken about things on the podcast I've had to hold back yeah. um, pieces of myself or my personal story, which I think is important to do for any content creator, any human on the internet, like to give away all the things that we, that we are and working through is, you know, especially as you're navigating it, like Brene Brown always says, like, don't give away your story until it's until you're in a space where you can fully complete it and actually be able to speak to it from a place of understanding and learning. And I really feel like this is the time. Like, yeah, I know it two years in, but like, damn, over two years now. But damn has like, I finally feel like I'm really grounded in this place with myself and also in us in yeah. the context of poly instead of us in the context of monogamy. Um so anyways, um, anyways, that's a, that's just the story. This, that's what we're doing. So anyways, we're going to get to questions. Um, we got some really good questions from y'all. So let's just start and we'll kind of see where it goes. Sound good? Yeah, totally. Okay. Um, so this was the first quest- question from, um, from Zach. And Zach asked, have you explored it yet or just talked through it with Kevin? I, Zach, I think you might have your answer now. <laughs> yeah. Um, so... Obviously, we talked about it for, many, like I said, many, many years, but um, we've certainly yeah. explored it. And that was, like, that level was really interesting. At some points, it almost felt like, uh, oh, what is a good word for it that doesn't have some connotation? Like, it was almost kind of like fetishy at, at yeah, a Yeah, like fantasy. So, yeah, like really yeah. thinking about. Like exploring kink and yeah. getting into that space more and being like, this is hot, but like, do we actually want to do this? in practicality i think there were a couple moments where like do you hey hey wait, yeah do you, totally do you really want to do this or like is are we just and talking right honestly now? i think i went into it still not sure of that like i knew well i think yeah yeah you know, we had we had a conversation about that. yeah it's like okay like we need to be open and and feel comfortable that if this is actually something that is not right for one of us or right. us as a couple like that like okay we can we can have the communication tools around that yeah. in order to really speak to that we're when big we first on, started. We're big on code words. I feel like our first one was like sausage or something. <laughs> I think that's a sexual code word of ours. <laughs> oh, whoops. <laughs> Which, you know, is not that, it's thinly veiled, I guess. <laughs> Y'all Hi, are Mom. getting deep. Yeah, I hope Mom's not listening. I told her not to, but here that's, we are. Okay. A good um, idea. Here's a great one. Okay, so this is from Dana, and Dana yeah. asked, can you tell me more about the difference between polyamory and swinging? Oh. So this is one that question. we cannot speak to in terms of having participated in the space. So I'm certainly not an expert on swinging. I really recommend you do some research. Additionally, maybe I'll have somebody on the podcast who is in that space. That could be fun. Um, and honestly... <laughs> Yes, Kevin? No, oh, no, then I was just thinking about what that meant. Um, <laughs> this, this is a good episode. <laughs> um, Ratings through the roof. I, I mean, yeah, probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, uh, I, I personally don't feel like I ever really felt called to that particular thing but i mean do you want to speak to what you perceive as the difference from our understanding and we like well, i don't want to speak for to, you we've gotten to know a lot of humans in the enm space so yeah i i don't know that sometimes i think about it like a spectrum um of um sustainability maybe this is a good way to talk about it hold on i just had an idea so yeah. ethical non-monogamy 
think of that as like an umbrella okay so obviously the non-monogamy part is uh, monogamous versus non-monogamy the ethical piece of it speaks to and that's the most important thing right so when you're thinking of non-monogamy a lot of people think cheating or affairs Mm. and lying about what you're doing ethical non-monogamy is all about being super upfront having the conversation everything is like by the bar it's umbrellas all the way down like you just have yeah. a bunch of like little subgroups under each thing exactly but mm. ethical non-monogamy i think is the big umbrella yeah and polyamory is one of the umbrellas that goes beyond that yeah and are underneath that and swinging is a different one yeah so i i, I think can, about them they can also like Venn diagram together. Yeah, you know? I, th- I think my 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 read on swinging is that it is uh, it's it's like uh, somewhat more like uh, prescriptive one night stands. Yes, you know. Yeah, uh, which um, you know is interesting. Uh, I don't think that's like really my jam. Yeah, um, I-, I see swinging as and again. I- not an expert, but what I've understood yeah. it to be is more so um, for the sex experience. Yeah. Um, and, you know, often it happens between couples, but not exclusively. And some usually there's some form of camaraderie or friendship in that space. Not always, though. There yeah. can be swinging parties or, yeah. like, two couples that are just really great friends. They can have swinging experiences. I've seen that in with people i know yeah i think i think the crux of it is that it may maybe one night stand was a bit too far though there are some people who like will fuck people and then never totally see i think again, again i think it's a spectrum yeah i think that's more the like let's not wind up in a relationship type of thing yeah it's less know? about um love yeah more pleasure yeah i think which is great yeah and then polyamory um is is much more towards you know it literally what it means it's like multi-amory right so there's many loves right so poly is the what's the latin word for many i think it's one, one of them's greek, greek word one of, them's latin. one of them's latin whatever um for many for many loves and that's really ultimately at the core of it it's yes sure can sex be a part of that experience with other humans sure it's not always um and really, it's just about the way I think the way I see polyamory. And again, I think everyone who's in the polyamorous space has a different perspective and lens around it. But for me, you didn't go get a certificate. <laughs> Shush. For Where's me, your license? <laughs> but for me, poly has been a representation of how honestly I've always seen. You're just gonna laugh at me. While no, I, I just—I was thinking of the scene in the Big Lebowski where it's like, "Am I the only one that gives a shit about the rules?" <laughs> You've never seen the Big Lebowski. You just—you should watch it. It's Kevin, one of Kevin's favorite movies. It's great. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt like a genuine moment there with my yeah, you really debauchery. Yeah. Please continue. Yeah. Reset. Woo. Um, what I was trying to say was that before I was so rudely interrupted, yeah. <laughs> was that I—I I really feel. Like polyamory is an expression of what I've always I felt in terms of how I see the relationships in my life, right? So I never felt like there should be a natural um, or or unspoken hierarchy in terms of the people in my life just because somebody held a quote title. Um, 
and you know I've always had many many best friends you know I just asked Kevin when I first met he's like wait how many best friends and I'm like I can't keep up I just don't have one you know like I have many people that I love and I love them for different reasons and they fulfill different um, needs of mine and I I just I I love very deeply the humans that are in my life and I don't I don't, you know, I talked about this on the on the podcast in, in episode 101, but, like, I don't believe in the concept of finding your other half. It just never really resonated mm. with me. And something I mentioned on this, but something that you said to me when we first started dating was, yeah. well, you, you know, we're two whole people and we're just coming together and we happen to really, 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 really work. Yeah. Um, My other whole. Yeah. It was the yeah. phrasing. Yeah. And so... For me, polyamory is just an ex- it's just a way to like actually live out what I've always felt and I you know, I I consider some of my closest friends who are platonic as like partners of mine to be quite honest, you know, like I have people who I talk to every single day and who I love and I would do anything for and just because I'm not romantically involved with them or physically or sexually involved with them doesn't mean that I don't see them equally as important as you, for example, somebody who I've, you know, been romantically and sexually and all the things involved with for 10 years. So that's Polly for me. feel like that answered that question pretty yeah. well. Okay. Okay. Um, this is from Annie. Annie asks, when a couple is involved in ENM, is it most common for both individuals to be involved? Mm. Who is this? Annie? Yeah. Good question, Annie. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I had something for this. I honestly don't away. know the stats attached to this. Uh, I'd know. be surprised if there were stats. I mean, there are terms, yeah. uh, you know, like unicorn hunting of like both yeah. people being involved. So nobody knows what that term is. So can you explain what that means? Yeah. So uh, unicorn hunting is when a couple actively seeks out a third party, generally a bisexual woman, uh, for them, the the connotation is that uh, it's like a plaything. Yeah, that, that she effectively becomes yeah. a, a sexual plaything. Yeah. Um, not to say that there aren't couples. I mean, we've dated people together, yeah. and I wouldn't say we were unicorn hunters by Completely any means. Completely not. Yeah. Uh, turns out we can be attracted to the same person, which is totally cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. Saves a lot of time. <laughs> uh. I think. I think. In in the media, I think that is a very common example. That that is the way that yeah. is mostly portrayed, and so you see relationships in that dynamic so often. Like especially, I feel like the last couple of years, there's, some TV there's been shows a lot of like, like yeah, or like little things of like we're a polyamorous triad or thruples a big term, which I don't particularly I hate that term. love. If um, you scroll through the uh, poly subreddit, you'll you'll see a lot of. Uh, triads, which I think I can is the link that for term. for yeah. all of you too, because I think it would be. I think that's actually a really beautiful depiction of the the variety of human yeah. and what you not can potentially navigate. There's a lot of Who, also like dark shit. Yeah, on there. there's a lot of people having problems. Yeah, it's Reddit for you. Know? you. Um, yeah, but who was it that had the question on? Um, 
on swinging and polyamory. That's Dana. Uh, so there on the on the subreddit, uh, there's a really great uh, polyamory FAQ that actually talks about the difference, mm. the generally accepted difference between the two. Um, again, it's all kind of its own spectrum, and no totally. one's really authoritative. And that's the but thing. There's no. It's a nugget to start with, and right. you got to define your own path. You know, and I there think are that's no really roads. important. Like, I love that. I really think that's important because ultimately. Just like in life, you have to define your own path. And I think even in monogamy, you have to define your own path. What does that look like? How are we wanting to communicate as a partnership? It's really not that different than monogamy. It's just... You got to get over your own shit. Yeah. And it's just about honestly being conscious. Like, But also in monogamy, you have to do that too. It's just about a different way of doing relationships. That's literally the only thing that's different. Yeah. That's it. Um, And I, I think personally... You know, I think some of us are more hardwired for polyamory or ethical non-monogamy. And I think some of us are more hardwired for monogamy. But I think most of us are unconsciously operating in a monogamous framework. Yeah. And so that's where I see the problem. Yeah. So I think to, to like, put a uh, cap on this. On the commonality. Yeah. I, uh, I actually think it's more common. This is where I was going to go. Yeah, most okay. most of my, my community, is that the right word, I guess? Uh, and by this, I mean just people I know that, that are in the space. That are in the space, to be clear. Um, mostly do it individually. Like yeah. that, they might have, uh, they might be married. They might have what is called an anchor partner or a nesting partner, just depending on their, you know, definition of. So things. a nesting partner, just for definitions wise, um, is somebody who that person lives with. Um, they often are called nesting partner, anchor partner. It, it can be also similar, but maybe they don't necessarily live together. Yeah. So there, there's a whole spectrum. I didn't realize how many things are just in my jargon until you started being my well, dictionary. Um, <laughs> I, I, I do that because I also recognize that I've been in this space for two years, and so I understand a lot of these terms, but I didn't know any of these terms until I entered it. And most humans who are listening to this probably don't either, right? So Yeah. Um, but yeah, to get back to your question, Annie, I think in the media that's the most thing portrayed. And I actually think that, like Kev said, it's much less that. However, I will say that I think a lot of people who are stepping into polyamory, especially um, in spaces like how we did from a, being in a couple, yeah. I think a lot of people tend to step into that feeling like that's the, quote, safe choice or the most comfortable way to edge in because, you know, the, the threesome is like the thing that are at the top of most people's fantasy list. And Why stop at three? I mean, you're totally not wrong. Um, but I think that that's, I think that that's a way that people often step into it, you yeah. know, and then figure out if that's the right path or whatever. So I also was going to say that this is another, there's also configurations of people who, and I don't actually personally know anybody who operates in this framework but I do have read about many people who you know one of their partners is polyamorous and the other person is monogamous you know or it sounds fucking difficult it is what it is and and some people that works for them though you know like there's a whole for us that would be difficult maybe because that's just not what works in the space that we're in but I think for many that totally works um, some people, like I said, are hardwired for monogamy and they're okay with just giving their life to, you know, their polyamorous partner and then also accepting that they also can love others, right? It's, I think it's a beautiful form of relationship and I think it actually probably speaks very deeply to their love and connection and understanding and communication. So, 
Yeah, I like, I didn't mean to pass sound like I was passing judgment. It just sounds like it for me it would be very difficult. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um. So, anyways, so that's that's that. Okay. Um. Ooh, this is from Maggie, and Maggie says, "Yay for representation!" Thoughts on primary slash secondary partner verbiage. So maybe we mm. should explain what that often is related to. So in polyamory, um, there are often kind of thought, camps of thought of how we how to operate within it. So the umbrella of polyamory, and then there's like multiple little bubbles. Umbrellas all the way down. <laughs> it's a lot. It can be a lot, y'all. Um, I think it's mostly just because people need to feel figure out what works. People you like know? putting fucking stuff in and boxes. labels. Yeah. yeah. Um, which, as you know, I don't love the labels, um, which is probably going to lend itself to my answer to this question. But um, in 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 polyamory, there are tend to be two camps two camps non-hierarchical polyamory and hierarchical polyamory hierarchical polyamory speaks to what maggie was talking about which is that often there is um so let's say there's a couple and one person in that couple um okay let's say there's a person and they have a relationship with somebody that maybe they're married to they live with and um some often they have kids like whatever um they have a, a very established life with that person and it doesn't always need to look like this is just an example um they might consider that person their primary partner the person that they maybe pour more of their energy and time into whether it's out of necessity or choice or a little combination of both and then um the secondary partner or partners or tertiary tertiary or what the fuck ever uh, again umbrellas (laughs) so many um you know are are other people that they spend time with um so that's hierarchical polyamory. Again, that works for a lot of people. And then there's non-hierarchical polyamory. That's like a tongue twister. Say that three times fast. Non-hierarchical polyamory, non-hierarchical polyamory, <laughs> non-hierarchical polyamory. Okay, you slayed it. Um, uh, Theater school yeah. for a year. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> if you could see the look I just got. This is the constant... <laughs> I tell you, this is a constant joke because you all know I went to theater school for four years and Kevin's like, I'm so cool because I went to theater school for a year, which is true. And also, I digress. Pa- no, uh, non-hierarchical polyamory. Say one time fast. I'm going to kill you. Non-hierarchical polyamory is where there's a lack of labels, really, I think, is how I see it. And um, I, I, it doesn't necessarily mean that there isn't some inherent hierarchy in relation in relationship like I think I think when for example you know I'm in a relationship with you and I've been in a relationship with you for 10 years yep and so I know you know we have a lot of history there's a a lot of yeah a lot we have a dog like all sorts of stuff and also like love spending time with each other like the shit out of each other it's just it's it's great um and if I'm just meeting somebody new that I'm starting to date, chances are I'm going to be putting less of my time and energy into that new person than I am a person I live with and have a 10-year relationship with. Does that mean that they are um, – one is more important than the other in terms of how I address them or operate or treat them or whatever? Absolutely not. Um, it just means that – you know, there's. I think there's some inherent hierarchy in that space, but uh, ultimately, like, there's as much you know room to grow and shift and evolve and just kind of see how that moves. That's how I see it. It's kind of amorphous in my brain. 
because there's no label. Mm-hmm. How do you see it? Well, I think I see what you just said is something different than maybe you expressed. Like, that, to me, sounds still like the realist version of polyamory. Like, yeah, yeah the, the camps are bullshit. It's like, I who's agree. on is it anyway? I you agree. Know? Um, I, I think you can't escape some form of hierarchy. Yeah. You just can't. It's like in friendship. It's like when you have a friend of 20 years versus like somebody you may have met on Bumble BFF because that's where we're meeting people these days in time of COVID apparently. Yeah. Or on a Zoom meeting. It worked. <laughs> yeah. You know? And it's like you've known them for two months. Yeah. Right. Or whatever. So you, you, you can't truly get rid of hierarchy and I, I, the, the, the whole thing of trying to get there is kind of bullshit. Uh, However, what what I what feels funky to me is prescriptive hierarchy. Completely. Which is to be my own dictionary for a moment. Uh, the fact that you are my wife means inherently you are the most important thing. And, and that I, if you want me, I'm going to drop everything, even if I'm yeah. with another partner. Yeah. Like, and so right now you're probably like squirming in your seat being like, that sounds fucking terrifying. But I posit mm-hmm. for you that if uh, you're on a date with your partner uh, and your best friend calls you and says, hey, uh, my dad turns out has cancer, uh, you're going to drop what you're doing and be you're going to person. go be there for that person. Um, and yeah, uh, so I would posit to you, you have uh, much less hierarchy in your life than you think you do. Um, but it's uncomfortable to think about. Totally. Uh, well, because way. again, we've been so programmed to believe that like, and I also think, and I see this, I think I saw this for us at times in our relationship. And I see this in many people, um, in, in our life and my life and that I work with and beyond, there's a lot of codependency in monogamous relationships. Yeah. And I think we, even as two wildly independent people yeah. who often don't see each other for day. I mean, right now we see each other all the time because we've been, you know, in the pandemic world, but often outside of that, like we were like, we've been two ships passing the night for a lot of our relationship. Um, and that's actually been a, like something we've talked about being really positive for us that we can have these independent lives you know, and this was when we were in the monogamous world. Yeah, I remember uh, I started going to this bar I was hanging out at. It was really close to my apartment. I met this dude in there. And we became, like, fast friends, you know? Yeah. Like, six months hanging out. And I popped in after work, met him for a beer. And I was like, eh, man, I got to get out of here. I got to go make dinner for Amanda. And he it was, again, this is six months after I met this guy. He goes, Kevin, who the fuck is Amanda? And I was like, oh, hey, man, that's you know that's my fiance uh and i know that i fucking mentioned you because there's no way i didn't but it like you never come around like you were always yeah that was in your period of rehearsals so much rehearsals and doing like a billion jobs at the same time and all this uh so illustrating the uh you know separate lives of uh, at certain points yeah um well you know i forgot where i was going shit can you edit this uh (laughs) No. What was your question? Like, no, I was just, I was just talking about. We were talking about the hierarchy piece. Of oh, things. yeah. So it's, I don't know. You can't truly escape it, and I think it's better to have a realistic perspective. Which this is where I was going. Like, I think the insinuation of what you were saying is that like you don't have hierarchy, but I think the reality is you do, and I do, and. I- Totally. I, but I think what you said about prescriptive hierarchy goes back to Maggie's question, which is how do you feel about the terms 
primary and secondary. And I yeah. think when it comes to explicitly being like, you're my primary partner, you're my secondary partner, like, I just don't particularly subscribe in general to labels in my life. Unless you're a best friend. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing it back, full circle. Recall, maybe. But that's something that I I used to prescribe to very much too because I felt like I had to fit into boxes. But as I've evolved, I really struggle with that now. And and having anything be into a box where it can't evolve, can't change, and has to be this prescriptive thing is something I like physically repel from like I just it doesn't sit well with me and with my soul so I think to ever actually be prescriptive to that would be very against my nature sure um however I do believe that there is inherent hierarchy in life in all ways and yeah whether you're in monogamy or not totally okay um, this is uh, from Lizzie, and the question is, how did you meet other p- partners in real life or online? I also do AM, but God, do I hate dating apps. Girl, I feel ya. Um, do you want to answer this question? I feel like it's been kind of a combination. Yeah, so I think the fastest way to find yourself a partner is to have your existing partner meet somebody, <laughs> and then, you know... There you go. You're golden. No, uh, actually, uh, I think um, I, I like think being involved in the community to some degree, like which is very difficult now, uh, yeah. given given COVID. And, it, and by this, I do not mean like just like massive sex party things. Like if you're if you've not done that yet. No, I, I love the qualifier at the end. I mean. Um, but uh, no, like Meetup is a great thing. Um, yeah, the, it, it has a bunch of groups, uh, you know, like in your city Depending and things. Depending on where you live, yeah. Yeah. Um, also, you know, uh, Reddit is great uh, just for meeting people and getting involved in that. Yeah, I will say we we not met partners that way. Though. No, but that's, like so that's I'm talking about the question. community of like build mm. like so that was that was how we met the first person that we were involved with totally. was through a friend of mine who opened up to me about. Uh, him and his his wife's practice of uh, polyamory. Yeah. Uh, and started talking and, you know, found that uh, you and I were interested. We've been talking about it for some time. Yeah. yeah. And made an introduction. Yeah. And so th- my whole thing is, like, you, you will kind of uh, bring into your life, like, what you're trying to surround yourself with. So if oh, you can get involved in the community to some degree, then I think... And just uh, get around like-minded people, I think, yeah. ultimately. I will say that I think the majority of the people that I've connected with have been primarily via meeting online, whether that's a dating app or Instagram, actually. Um, so... There's a whole secret polyamorous section of Instagram. <laughs> this is where you have to get certified. It's not so secret. No. <laughs> is this the hashtag? Follow the hashtag. Um, so yeah, I, I and in terms of dating apps, like I get that they can be really frustrating. I personally have found them to be really great if you're in the right spaces and if you set intentions around your experience around it. So my suggestion, because I feel your pain in this in this question, is one, the two dating apps that I've most liked are Field, F-E-E-L-D, which is completely geared to non-monogamy. I will say they tend to lean to more of like feels more swingy it's no it's less swingy and more sex related it's very much like 
most people are on there for like a booty call. There's a lot of couples. So yes, like there's, there's a lot of looking for thirds vibes. Yeah. However, there are some gems amidst, yeah. amidst them. And I actually have found most success and, and have enjoyed my experience most on OkCupid where you can set your preferences to non-monogamy. Um, and I met some really cool humans who've like a lot of them become friends. Like it's been really cool. Yeah. It's honestly just been a great resource to meet other people who are in the community and local um, versus just like a lot of the time you meet people online and they're not local. So it's cool right. to like have people who get it, but less cool. Well, but I think that's kind of the starting point too, totally. right? Like, yeah, I don't know, normalizing that yeah. a little bit, especially if you're early on in the in the experience. experience yeah. yeah. I would just say like go slow, be very clear in your bio around what it is you are looking for and what it is you are not looking for. Um and um just vet people out. Like I talk to people on there a lot before I even consider moving to text message and to me that's just about really like and and ought always ask like what is your practice around ethical non-monogamy and how did you get started because I want bullshit. to know there yeah you've got some bullshit you can get some bullshit responses and some people who are not actually being ethical so just be conscious and be really aware and take take your time with it okay um ooh this is a really good question you ready yeah. this is from Caitlin and she asks have you had to navigate jealousy at all from either side how did you do so? Like the front or the back? <laughs> Answer the question. <laughs> yes. Uh, totally. Uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it, jealousy is a tricky game. Um, it's a hot topic in the non-monogamy world. Yeah. Sure. Like I, I, I think at the outset, um, you know, it's definitely or, or can certainly be um, uh, uh, like a flashlight or a floodlight on some insecurity or something uh, of yourself that you have. Totally. And I think the other the other side of it is it can also be um, an indicator of um, a lack of something where you're at that you need um, mm. from your uh, from your existing partner, right? Um, so it's uh, it's tricky. Um, I'm trying to think. Like, I think most of my trip-ups in that space have been more around my own uh, insecurities with a little peppering of, like, mm, you know, needs not being fulfilled or wanting more of a certain thing. Needs not being fulfilled is a little heavy. Uh, more like, oh, well, fuck, I'm, I'm stupid busy right now. For those of you that don't know, I'm, like, working, like, a shitload of hours. So it's, like... I was going to say, I think it is a needs not being fulfilled. I think we both experienced that to a certain degree. Yeah. And I don't think it's because... I, I think we're, what we're realizing as we work through this is less that it's because the other person didn't step up to the plate and more because we didn't know how to advocate for our own needs. Yeah. And so, you know, when you're not knowing how to personally advocate for your own needs and then you're introducing a new dynamic that can bring up insecurity, it can open the door to a lot of stuff coming up or just have needing to be more, you know, open in conversation and all that stuff. Um, so yeah, I would just, I would shift that perspective from you from what I know. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know. In terms of jealousy though, like I think, yeah, how real do we, like how deep do we want to get in on this question? I like, mean, let's go. Like that's what we're here to do. Like I, I think 
just generally in terms of like the overarching concept of jealousy I, I remember with my first boyfriend I used to be like if I feel jealous it means something's wrong mm. and I think that's a concept that a lot of us have and I and I very deeply believe and I teach this that there is no such thing when it comes to feelings right I talk so much about feels and fears and I don't think there is a good or a bad feeling just like I don't think there's a good or a bad food like ultimately when it comes down to it jealousy is a normal feeling and some of us experience it more than others depending on our personal traumas depending on you know what we've been through depending on our personal insecurities there's a whole slew of things that lead us to feel the emotions that we feel and so often I think we're made to feel wrong for experiencing a sensation and I know for a long time I felt like if I felt jealous that meant something was wrong with my relationship and I don't think that's true at all. I think if anything, it just speaks to our personal insecurities. Um, and that's been a really beautiful lesson, actually, from polyamory. I will say, personally, I don't know that I have felt a lot of jealousy so much as I have been able to identify it because of the work I do and because of you know being pretty uh, emotionally aware. Um, I have been able to identify it as, wow, this is bringing stuff up for me and I need to work through this right now. Yeah, so I, I think that's actually really interesting because I think on the receiving end of that, it like it read as jealous. Oh, totally. Oh, interesting. Yeah, like yeah. very much. This is why I was asking, like, how deep mm, you want to get yeah, in this? Yeah. Because I, I, I think as um, the recipient of you know the feelings that you were having in a lot of that, or conversations and things, like that all read to me. Uh, and maybe I was too surface or too base with it, uh, but that read as is jealous. Well, and I think. You know, early on, I, you know, there was so much going on with with my personal life. Like, I was navigating my surgery with BRCA and everything. And it was like, I was so excited about this new um, door opening in our life and stepping into non-monogamy. And I was also fucking terrified about it. You know, I was navigating my sexuality for the first time in that space. I was you know, figuring out who the fuck I was, what this looked like for us in this new context. And that's scary. Like, it's scary to step into anything. It's scary to step into anything new when you have no concept of how it's going to look. And we had no concept, right? I mean, I honestly stepped into it being like, it's going to be threesomes. And then I was like, it's not going to be threesomes. Well, it was a lot of threesomes. Sure, sure, sure. But like, not exclusively that. And, yeah. and also like, it was way beyond that. Like I didn't, I I didn't expect to fall in love with other people. I didn't expect yeah, to. That's a trippy one. I didn't expect to, um, you know, develop like really full fledged relationships with other humans that were not just platonic. Like I, I didn't expect to have my heart broken. Like the, I just didn't, I didn't go in with all of that. You know, I think we went in consciously, but also like not knowing how individually and together we would move through that space and what we would actually want and need because I think ultimately sometimes you just don't know until you try. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I think in certain things, like I also behaved with some something that was, uh, I think, probably actual, like, jealousy or fear or, like, whatever. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It's It's interesting, like, looking back on stuff now – I don't know. It's a short time, but also a long time, mm -hmm. two years. Um, and, and it feels like so much growth in that time frame that's also kind of hard to, like, 
it's, it's like trying it's to remember what it what it was like before you knew how to read. Like that's what that's what it feels like. Yeah. Sometimes, um, like how the fuck did I not know how to read? You know, yeah. like clearly there was a time for that. Yeah. And and now. The, You've been the, doing it for, for enough time, time that it just feels... Yeah, it's like... Like like walking, your, yeah, riding your bike like, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, or being able to I'm read. the worst at idioms, yo. I was I really going to fuck I it up. I was going to keep going on the reading thing, I you know? know? <laughs> it's like, you know, you start off with, like, you know, fucking Goosebumps or Captain Underpants or whatever, and then, you know, you're reading, like, Montaigne's essays or whatever, you know? And it's, uh, you know... Um, uh, I don't know. Moral of the story is that, like, it's really hard at, at the beginning like figuring out those pieces yeah um or you know whatever whichever direction i forget what the what the verbiage was from the question but like um either direction yeah so i think that means to me uh or to you or vice versa um yes i i think that's hard to navigate at the beginning and then you 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 like you definitely have to break a couple of fucking eggs along the way before you like figure out yeah uh your own shit, but also how to communicate that. It's like, but it's like anything, right? Any, it's like starting a business. I see it often in similar ways of like, okay, when I started my entrepreneurial journey, I had no the fuck idea what I was doing, and I just kind of tossed spaghetti at the wall and hope it stuck. And then if it didn't, which often it didn't, I was just like, okay, let's try something else. Let's see if this works. Let's see if this feels right. And it's a constant evolution. And I think relationships are that way. I think, uh, you know, our 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 relationship to our body and exercises that way I think the way that we approach life in terms of our purpose and jobs can often be that way like we're constantly evolving as human beings and so this has just been a a step in that evolution that has been really right for both of us so yeah okay uh got two more questions sweet all right so this is from Rachel and Rachel says do you approve who your partner will be with or do you let them make that decision hmm that's an interesting question, as you can tell by the silence that was there. Um, yeah, it's um, I, I my silences comes from the word. I really appreciate this question because it's something that I honestly didn't expect to tackle. And uh, the word approval, I think, just really sits with me in like a way because to me that feels very um, overbearing mm. and. Um, I, I also think that it would be, you know, so to answer the question, no, I, I think ultimately. Um, and I think that from my standpoint, the same way that I think it would be very weird if somebody who was one of my closest friends didn't get along with Kevin and I, and we spent a lot of time together, like I've had that happen before. It's hard. And it's not something that is ideal. It's doable. It's not ideal for me. Um, And it's not like I've had to not be friends with that person because, you know, Kevin didn't like that person or they didn't like Kevin or whatever. It's just made the situation less palatable, you know? More complicated. Yeah. and, and, And yet, like, I think in a preferential world, you know, anybody that I you know i'm seeing or that you're seeing like we would all just get along at least like in a in a nicety way instead of like we're all best friends doesn't have to be that way but i think in a in in an ideal world for me that would be the case yeah i mean i I think to tweet this slightly though there like 
and this is a really important thing that took a long fucking time to figure out, <laughs> um, was that we do have like some agreements that are. It's uh, going to be the next question. Oh, really? No, yeah, it's okay. Talk to it. Um, well, no, I, as it pertains to like the acceptance of other people or the allowing of other people, there like we don't have an agreement about that, but we do have some things that are, like are kind of like some guiding principles about safety and yes. communication and things. And so if you want to be like, uh, you know, a particular stickler for that question, then I think, yes, we do have an approval process. And it's, yeah, the, it's not about the person. Though, no, it's not, the, not all. the person. And that's but why like, I said no. Um, I do think that there are like, uh, what I again would refer to like some guiding principles. Yeah. And if somebody doesn't, fit into that totally like so if then... somebody for example if somebody is uh op- if somebody were somebody one of us is talking to is operating unethically yeah and they are for example that their partner does not know that they are speaking like that is full off limits from both of our standpoints because yeah. it goes against integrity and core values that we both deeply believe in yeah um you know, and vice versa. So there's lo- there's lots of things that go in that space. But what if it was just like, well, I don't really like this person. Yeah, Jim Bob's a dick. It's like, well, I do, and yeah. you know, we'll hopefully be able to figure out. Ultimately, I have yet to experience that with you. Um, where like Jim Bob's pretty. We cool. haven't gotten along with the humans that have entered into our lives, like yeah. in that space. Like I think. You know, usually, whether it's, like, I'm going to be best friends with them or not is a, you know, different story. But, like, yeah, like, I would love, hope to love anyone that you love, and I would hope that you would love anyone that I love, and so on and so forth. So, in terms of that piece of it, I think that's a no. But, yeah. I want to get into that next question, because actually the next question is, would love to know how you negotiate logistics and boundaries. Oh, yeah. Which I think is a great question. Um so, you know, Kev spoke to agreements and, you know, there's a, there's a lot of words and tool and like things that are thrown around in this space. And I got very confused when we first entered the polyamory community. I was like trying to be read up and do, be diligent on understanding. And it's like this concept of boundaries and agreements and rules. And I don't subscribe to rules as a person, generally speaking. I am like to be freedom is one of my highest values and um, there are some people that operate within the polyamorous world or ethical non-monogamous world with rules, and that feels yeah. good for them, and that's the container they choose to build. Um, so obviously we can only speak to our personal experiences. Um, Do you think it would be good? I'm going to play you for a minute. Yeah. Do you think it would be good to define what those things are? <laughs> sure. I mean, I, I, I don't know the, the specific definitions, like official definitions, but from my standpoint and my personal understanding – um, you know, agreements are uh, boundaries is a something you I do know all about boundaries because this is what I teach on. Boundaries is something that you like for yourself create, and it it is something that you are solely in control of. So, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of an example of something a boundary. for your own body would be right. So, um, you know, a, a, ba- a boundary of mine could be when I am um, very intense in my period and I'm having cramps like I do not want to be having intercourse or or you know penetrative sex let's just be clear on that like that's something that like maybe some people feel around I don't know that that's a personal thing of mine when I'm having really bad cramps it's definitely a personal thing of mine 
Um, and so that's something that I would say to a partner and say, hey, like, this is a boundary of mine or this is a uh, and I, you know, I just ask that you respect that. And that's then up to them how they choose to interact with that. But you can set that for yourself. Or I know many people in the polyamorous community have, you know, boundaries around asking for STI results. And that's certainly one of ours. Um, And, you know, making a boundary for ourselves, but also an agreement agreement with each other. Because we both feel it is important. But, you know, I'm not going to have any form of sex with a human without um, having seen their test results and understanding that, you know, everything is in a good place so that we can keep everyone as healthy and happy as possible. Um, and that's a personal boundary that I have set for myself. Um, and it's also an agreement that we have with one another because it's something we both resonate with. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that, do you want to talk about what an agreement is since we went into that? Yeah. Uh, an agreement is something where the people involved, either a dyad or, you know, a large dyad. Uh, a two-person relationship um, or, or the larger polycule. Which is a group of people who all happen to be intertwined in some capacity. They don't all have to be dating each other, but maybe one person's dating one person who's dating another person, and that is often termed yeah. as a polycule. So, Giving you guys a full definition yeah, dude, here right now. You're fucking getting Damn. a master's in this shit. Damn! Um, but no, so so an agreement is something that everybody uh, in, in the circle, so to speak, uh, agrees on a way of operating or yeah. interaction. Yeah. Um, and then there are rules, which are obviously like hard and fast. This can't happen, period, end of story. Yeah. Um, so the, that's the way that people operate within that space. And in terms of how we've navigated logistics and, and boundaries, I think... Fucking poorly. poorly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think poorly. I... Honestly, at the beginning, for sure. Yeah, we went in with, like I said earlier, like a. Mm, I think we just wanted to be like free spirits, and we were like, "Let's see where this takes us." And we didn't really know what that could look like outside of we knew that we had a really strong foundation in our relationship. We knew that we wanted to have strong communication around stuff, and that was something that we certainly talked about beforehand. Yeah. Um, we didn't formalize a lot. Correct. And the yeah. plane crashed into the goddamn mountain. I think it, we just learned some hard lessons that way. And I think we, we it became like a crash lesson in polyamory instead of like an ease into it. And while I'm all for like jumping in head first, that's just kind of how I operate as a, as a human. I will say that when you're doing that in the framework of going from something that you've only known exclusively for your entire life to then something that's completely different and expecting the same way of interacting to exist and like feelings to exist um yeah that's not so right it doesn't really work like that it turns out (laughs) yeah it was very tricky you know yeah like it was so interesting because i feel like so much of what we've been talking about today has been like it's been hard and yet i also like don't see it that way as like a as a as a whole like there have been the sh- but the shit that was hard the was shit that really was hard was hard. really hard for us totally um and i also feel like i have grown so much from this period of my life and mm. that we have also I mean, I honestly, like, I was telling Kevin this 
earlier this week I think we both have said this to each other multiple times in the last few days like I feel like I'm falling in love with you all over again in like a whole different light right now yeah and that's really amazing like I I think most people like I I didn't know that I think I remembered seeing like the seven years like when you're married like we're about to hit our seven year wedding like marriage anniversary and like a lot of people say that's when things kind of you know you know fizz out and also 10 years together in terms of like dating you know and being together um it's a long time especially given that we met when i was 19 and you were what 21 22 22 yeah and so like it's just i think it's it's a lot to have navigated together and to be able to say that like i'm more in love with you today than i've ever known was possible like i really do believe that a big part of that is because we've embarked on this journey and I also think that the reason that we're still here is because we embarked on it in a healthy place. Yeah. And I think a lot of couples go into it oh, unhealthy. Oh, yeah, I see where you're going now, yeah. Um, in an unhealthy like space. Like a fix-it path. Correct. Like, well, if I can just be with somebody else, and I, I would say, please don't do that. Yeah. Make sure that if you want to stay with your partner and you're in a couple, make sure you stay. Um, stay on track, go to couples therapy, try to work it out before yeah. trying to expand. Into, it's not a fix it. Uh, getting into polyamory to fix your relationship is no better idea than having a child to fix your relationship. It's a really bad fucking idea. Like, you will, you will run into so many problems so fast. Like, the only way to do this is from a healthy place. Yeah. Because you're going to be met with a lot of stuff. And yet, if this is something that genuinely feels aligned for you and 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 you're feeling pulled to there's a reason for that and continuing to operate in a monogamous way because it's just the way that everyone does it is also going to lead you down a path right i think a lot of people ask like why do you do polyamory if like it's if there's parts of it that are hard it's like well why do you do monogamy if parts of it are hard yeah this is you know it's just different hard Mm. that's an interesting thought um i Hmm. We're totally not answering the question, Lauren. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, what are what, what are um, what are boundaries? How we've gone navigated boundaries? Oh well, no. I think that's actually where I was gonna go. Like logistics. for all the the ooh, logistics is the part we haven't tackled. Like we we, um, yeah. but I think it actually goes. It, I got to say something, and all then right. I then I'm I trust gonna, you. Go for it. So I think for all of the hardships though as you as you were like kind of alluding to a second ago like there is so much stuff that has outweighed those hardships sometimes they've it's taken a while to get to each milestone yeah, if you will end, yeah. um but like once we've gotten there it yeah. has been worth the trial and tribulation uh, to get to that point point. Uh, and also the love that like we have for each other and also like have brought into our life yeah has just been definitely so amazing um yeah yeah um so the logistics piece of this that's interesting okay so yeah in terms of logistics like i think i don't know i think the thing that was hardest for me was like i think we were so used to just the life of like us operating and like example, I spend a lot of time and usually when I'm not in pandemic in rehearsals. And so a lot of my time when I'm in rehearsal in the evenings is taken up with being at the theater. And we often don't get as many date nights together then. 
And so it was then not only how to figure out date nights together, but also like how to incorporate other people in that mix that you're trying to, you know, grow potential relationships with or whatever. And making sure that, you know, each relationship in your life, including friendships and beyond, you know, are getting everything. So it, it definitely takes intention and conscious thought if you and google calendar and google calendar is your win yeah um i definitely if you're especially in your if you're in a any kind of partnership that's like happening for a long enough time i cannot recommend sharing google calendars enough so that you can support scheduling each other is like 90 percent of the issues <laughs> yeah like now it's like yeah <laughs> Yeah. That that's like, and by issues, I don't mean problems. It's just like that's ninety percent of what's dealt with. At yeah, this point. because ultimately, like, like we only have twenty four hours in our day, and that, that you know, and so, sometimes a lot of that is work. Yeah, and I think also making sure that we that we genuinely like something that we have definitely prioritized is making sure that we have you know a weekly check in on Sundays usually, and we'll check in and say, hey, like, when do you want to do date nights this week? And so. We make sure to prioritize at least two nights a week where we know that we're going to be able to spend time with each other that's intentional, that's conscious, that's offline and unplugged and, you know, really really make that connected quality, especially because quality time and touch are my top love languages and big ones for you too. They're your top two as well. So, like, they're super important for us to to focus on and and make sure that we're, we're doing that. And in terms of boundaries, I think... Ultimately, the the best thing I can say for anything is communicate, 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 communicate. Just like really speak your needs, say what's important to you, and set those boundaries, um, you know, for yourself. And that way, you know, the people in your life, your partner, partners, friends, family, everyone will be able to support you in your needs. Um, I can't say that enough. I had to learn that the hard way. Um, because I really honestly sucked at, um, speaking my needs for a really long time. It's it's probably the biggest thing I've struggled with personally in my own life, um, for the last few years. So, um, it's been a beautiful learning lesson in that for me, for sure. Yeah. I I think the communication piece is really important. Like it took us a long time to get on the same page about certain expressions and I think uh, it's okay if I talk about the scale. Yeah. Can I talk about that? Totally. So I, th- I think the most important lesson we have learned outside of like the just generally communicating this is a great tool is uh, is using the same language to communicate. Um, it's like I'm loud and obnoxious, and I talk, and you know I have a lot of ideas, and so does Amanda. Uh, and sometimes we say things, and it just doesn't land for the other person. Yeah. Um, and that's really. The most of the time, that's okay. You know, we can fill in the blanks, uh, and you know, it's it's mostly okay. Uh, but when you're dealing with multiple relationships and interactions there, and needs and everything else, making sure that the uh, language is uh, translatable is really important. Like you got to find your Rosetta Stone, and for us, um, that is the scale. Uh, and I think honestly, made. this can be used in any relationship like totally it doesn't have to be polyamory totally i think it's a beautiful tool yeah Uh, and and so the idea is is to kind of like quantify what it is that you're expressing and so we have four things we have a one which is hey i just want to share this thing 
uh, with you. Uh, and I just feel like I need to get it kind of off my chest. And this is said before the expression of whatever we're communicating. Yeah. Like, hey, I got a one for you. Yeah. Um, Are you in a space to receive it? Right. Um, a two is like, hey, I kind of like want to share something with you. And I really hope that the next time something like this happens, you consider the way that I'm feeling uh, b- because this was difficult for me or I'm yeah. working through something yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Um, a three is a, hey, this is so uncomfortable for me. Like, I really need this to, like, not happen uh, again for a little while. Or I need some additional, like, serious like, additional support. we need support. to talk more about this. Yeah. yeah. On this thing. And a four uh, is a, whoa, this hurts so bad that it, like, I really can't have this happen again. Until we've had some time to work through this or whatever. Or it's maybe not, ever at all. Well, it could be ever at all. Yeah. Uh, but that one's really about communicating, hey, I am actually in pain. In pain. Uh, and not just because I'm uncomfortable or this is like I'm working through something. Some, it's like, and this I think takes a little bit of some self-understanding and self-regulation for sure. But it's a genuine like, this is so outside of what I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. You know, and I'm deeply in pain. Like, I'm sobbing on the floor upset. Like, which, uh, uh, you know, I think, have we got there before? Maybe once. Once, yeah. Um, and that was hard. Yeah. It was hard. Especially because we didn't, I don't think either of us anticipated that it was going to be a four. Well, one of us <laughs> didn't anticipate that it was going to be a four. Um, so. One of us knew. <laughs> yeah, because they told you. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah. Um, and I think I think that's I think that's really valid and important for honestly a beautiful tool for the scale. Yeah. yeah. So thank you for sharing the specifics around that. Um, those are all such good questions, and I really appreciate all your thoughtful questions. Um, I'm sure there are a million other things that we could talk to around this, and I don't honestly even know how to do that all the time because it just feels like there's a never-ending pool of things to say. Um, Maybe because I've been keeping it, you know, to my friends and family specifically for two years. But um, I hope that, you know, hearing these perspectives and, and, you know, some of our story around this um, has been illuminating. And also for your life, whether you identify, like I said, as poly or ENM, or maybe you're thinking about that, or maybe you know conscious monogamy is for you. And I think ultimately relationships are relationships are relationships. Is is that a multi-amory thing that they say? I think so. I just love them so much. I'll link them. If you're interested and want a really great polyamorous resource, I'll link them in the show notes below. Um, It's a great podcast. Um, and, And it's true. You know, ultimately relationships are relationships are relationships. And uh, when it comes down to it, it's just about the the framework that best suits your personal needs, right? And um, this just happens to be one that really fits. So, yeah, yeah. and I, I think yes, it totally does really fit. But I, I think my last thought on this whole thing is that there are a couple of points where I think listening back to this, whenever you put this out, I'm gonna say fuck we sounded way too authoritative uh, or like we understood things totally which is we probably, don't understand anything well no, <laughs> we do we don't we understand our we, own experience yeah, yeah we don't but there is one thing i think i actually i think i we can only sound authoritative because we're dicks <laughs> yeah well that wasn't actually what i was gonna say uh, 
I was going to say the the only thing I think we can say authoritatively is to be thoughtful, mm-hmm. be kind, and be conscious. Like those are that's it. Like the rest of this is like just us. And I think that's a beautiful thing to take into life in any capacity. Yeah. Right. If we can enter and operate in life in a thoughtful, conscious and loving and what was the other thing? Caring caring way. Yeah. Um, then that's all we can ask for, I think, ultimately. And I think that this has been a beautiful part of um you know, building a path for us to operate in that way together and also as individuals too at a higher level. So, um, yeah, thanks for all your questions. And, uh, if you have any more, I'm always on Instagram, um, at Amanda Catherine Loy, Catherine with the K and I often pop Kev on into my stories. Um, so maybe we'll do some, you know, mini fun question Q and A's on there every once in a while, if that feels good, or maybe I'll have you back on the podcast and we'll do polyamory part two, yeah. Um, we'll see how this goes. Um, but I really appreciate you being here and thank you for having me talking about this. I know it, it's, um, it's been a long time coming in also. It's like, it's vulnerability inducing, you know, like yeah. this is stuff that we, I feel like we've talked about so much with ourselves and with like our friends and partners and whatever, but actually talking about this in a space that we, you know, it's going to be public. It's, it's just, it feels different. Yeah. So. It's different. First time I'm talking about it publicly. Yeah. Um, one important thing yeah. before we go. Yeah. The election's the third. Please go vote. Yeah. I ditto. I ditto that. Especially because I can't, so vote for me, please. Canadian citizen. <laughs> um, all right. Well, thank you for being here. I love you. I love you. And there you have it. Thank you so much to all of you listening uh, and for being here with us through that really expansive uh, conversation. It was such a gift for me to get to do that with Kev, and I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did um, getting to record it, Um, and that you took away something new from this, whether you are somebody who identifies as uh, polyamorous or maybe are considering ethical non-monogamy or maybe monogamy has been your path and you consciously feel so aligned in that state. I hope that this conversation was illuminating for your heart and that you learned something today. Um, And maybe you also just learned something about us, which is fun. Um, So for all of the things we discussed in the episode, again, you can check out the show notes or head to Amanda Catherine Loy forward slash podcast forward slash 105. And as a reminder, um, you can snag your tickets for the Live Your Fuck Yes Life Summit. Again, the link is in the show notes. Very, very easy to go on over. Uh, Tickets are only $29. Um, It's also on Eventbrite. If you just look up Live Your Fuck Yes Life Virtual Summit, you will find that. um, And um, you can snag your ticket that way as well. I adore you all. Um, I am always, always an open book on this stuff, and I'm so, so grateful for all of the really intentional conversations I've been having with so many of you over on Instagram. So please head on over and do not hesitate to reach out um, after you've listened to this episode if you have any remaining questions or maybe something sparked something for you. Uh, I am always there for you in my DMs and I love, love to chat about this stuff because I think at the heart of it, relationships are what make up so much of our lives and uh, and I think it's a beautiful thing uh, to be able to 
you know, have open dialogues. That's why I do this podcast, um, to have open dialogues around shit that nobody talks about or very few people talk about openly. So um, thank you for being here. You're the fucking best. And until next week, I'll see you on the flip side. Bye-bye.